Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, we reached a new level of the brands are stepping on rakes on Twitter this week. And this time I'm not even talking about Major League Baseball, the brand. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like Lone Depot, the brand. I'm talking about New Era, hmm. a brand that I actually love. They really stepped on it this week, Alex. They yeah. unveiled the, their new area code hats inspired by local markets. They rolled them out for all 30 teams and they were roundly mocked by everybody on Twitter. And then subsequently, I think less than 24 hours later, pulled off of the New Era website. A level of uh, merch cowardice that you and I would never have. We would never, (laughs) never pull our merch down. But Alex, my question for you Mm -hmm. this week is if you had to make an area code local market inspired styled hat for tipping pitches, what clip art would make it onto the back of that hat? That's a, this is a really good question here, right? Thank you. So, no, yeah, I thought about this one for a couple of days as opposed to the 30 seconds that I usually think about the opening question. Right, exactly. You usually logging on and saying, all right, how are we, how are we starting this thing off? Yep. What's the joke I can make? No, so we, so we got to have the area codes, right? Um, 510 and 267. Although maybe to keep people on their toes, we do like 215, right? Because you're not actually, that is not, your area code. Which, which is not my area code. 215. Is that correct? No, yeah, yeah. Right. I, you're just telling people my phone number now? This is okay. Yeah, 215. <laughs> is this a good time to tell people about 21510? <laughs> Our shared tattoo idea? To no, honor the cities that we're from? I don't know that that one should come to light. Uh, yeah, so we got we got a couple area codes. Delete, Maybe. delete, delete. <laughs> um... Is there Alex Rodriguez clip art? Like, I don't Certainly know. Certainly you could make some. That's true. Yeah. Maybe a uh, maybe a cup of iced coffee yes. on the side. An iced red eye. Yep. Yep. You're doing well so far. Keep going. There was like five different designs on each of these hats. So you really yeah. got to do the whole no, 360 you, all the way around. Yeah. You got to go. You got to go all around. You got two um, of five. Two of five. So Alex Rodriguez. The area codes don't count because they were some somehow they made it to the front of the hat. Yeah, and also so all, some all the way around didn't, have, didn't have them. <laughs> it was, I mean, it is impossible to it overstate would, like how little research they clearly did in this I know. process. On the side, it would have to say tipping and then tip underneath it, not tipping <laughs> right. pitches, just tipping and then tip. Exactly, like the Phillies, no, the Philadelphia Philly one underneath right. it. Yeah. Okay, so two out of five. So you have a clip art of Alex Rodriguez. Hopefully, I'm envisioning him like wearing sunglasses and smiling weirdly. And then we have an iced coffee. What else we got? Right. Okay. So we've got so we've got two of five here. Yeah. Um, we've satisfied the the food slash drink element of it. I think uh, we've satisfied <laughs> yeah. the 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 mascot. We're the only people who well. drink iced coffee. That's, <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Naturally. Well, there were the tacos mascot. on like five different. <laughs> That's such a fun way of thinking about a Rod. Hold on a sec. <laughs> 
if we ever started a baseball team, if we ever bought a baseball team or whatever, and we like had a mascot run around, we just put them in a big A Rod costume. Yeah, like a person or... inside of a person costume. <laughs> right. It's like the uh, the the, the senator at the, the, or the presidents at, at National Park. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if we get big enough to have a literal baseball team. Maybe we'll just get A Rod to come out. You know. I'm thinking a lot of stuff is going through my head, but too much to say in this podcast. So two out of five. Keep going. Okay. Um, We need something that speaks to our locational, is that a word? Locational roots, right? Yeah, that's a word. So maybe maybe a little drawing of Weinstein in which the, in in whose basement. You're going very literal. Oh, oh, quite literal. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Most people will just see that and think it's a building. (laughs) Well, that's the the beauty of these caps is they don't really have to make sense. You don't really have to know what they're referring to. So Weinstein Hall, the New York University freshman dorm within Mm -hmm. which WNYU, New York's student-owned radio station, was located, which is where this podcast was literally born in Mm -hmm. the basement at WNYU. In the auxiliary yeah. studio. Shout out 89.1 FM. So, okay. So, you're putting Weinstein on there. I thought you were maybe just going to put like a radio booth or like a micro, a broadcast microphone, but that's fine too. That would, I mean, that would, that would work. I mean, there's a Chick fil A in that building. We could get Chick fil A to sponsor the cap. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm, Can't I'm play right. games on Sundays, though. My, uh, that's going to screw <laughs> we up our do recording pods schedule. On Sundays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, that's tough, but you know, my MBA business mind is always working. Mm hmm. Yeah, so now that we're small business owners. <laughs> and this is where I start to struggle a little bit, right? I mean, so we don't we have, have three, right? We have three. Yeah, we have three. Now, we don't have much in the way of a World Series patch that can go on there, right? Yeah. We I, could put I'm the picture to... of Matt Harvey giving up the tying run in the ninth. That was a real <laughs> watershed World Series moment for our friendship. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you saw me at my absolute lowest. Yeah, and you decided to stick around. So, (laughs) I, you know, if we were verified on Twitter, maybe we could put a blue check mark on there. But we're not there yet. So you're missing something to represent our our lefty bona fides. (laughs) You want to put a hammer and sickle on there? I was I was thinking just go cut straight to the chase and put a guillotine on there. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, let's let's do it. Could just be that we're we just like history, you know, French Revolution, interesting time period. <laughs> right, I'm just really interested in that era, yeah, the, yeah. that period of time. It's a real grab bag of a pod. That's a good Twitter bio for us. Real grab bag of a pod. Yep, you really never know what you're gonna get. All right, we don't need to put a, a, a guillotine, but we need something to represent the lefty interests. We already have a mascot in a rod, so we can't really put like just Bernie's face on there. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's I think a. I think a hammer and sickle could work. That might okay. look kind of. I actually think there's a there's a way in which you can turn that into like the tipping pitches logo. Like if you squint and move some things around, you could make it look like a like a TP. I'm just putting it out there. Oh, I love it. Why haven't you done that? I know that this, is, <laughs> this is a, this is a project for another time. This yeah, is a brainstorm know, right here. By the way, this is this not really just, is this is not just for the pod. I'm actually not even recording. <laughs> I'm 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 getting stumped a little now. Do you have any do you have any things you like you'd like to see represented on there? Hmm. Ooh, wasn't ready for the question to get thrown back to him. Well, it's tough because I'm trying to think of like 
when I think of the podcast, I think of a lot of main characters, and we don't just want it to be a collection of faces. Faces, right? We're not going to put Joe West on there, right? But he's spent a lot, we've spent a lot of time talking about Joe West. Yeah, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about Joey Votto. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we like like how do you symbolize like a bat flip, right? Like just putting a a bat there. You and could put a people bat in that's the like air. kind of you know right? like that's the, like, like kind the of motion. diagonal, and then like the motion streaks. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's not bad. That's, I like that. That's nice. Let's rock with that. We'll put that one in pencil, though. We could potentially erase that for something else. <laughs> uh, you could put like a hand, Tim Tim Anderson's hand, when it was on the top of the bat, spiking it. You remember <laughs> oh, that? They, like, there you go. He's ho- clearly holding the top of the bat about to spike it. Something right. like, like that. Dis- disembodied Tim Anderson's hand. We are famously the only podcast that talks about bat flips. Yep. Uh, that's pretty good. For anybody listening, please know that because we talked about all of those things, that is now trademarked. And if you put that on any piece of merchandise, our cadre of lawyers will find you. And we it's, will it's true. sue you for intellectual property violation. Or or ask you to come do it for us. Yeah, exactly. Or just do it in conjunction with us, honestly. We're so very the, collaborative <laughs> guys so over the, here. The hat's getting a little crowded, which probably means we need to squeeze one or two more things on there, right? In the spirit of the design. <laughs> Although I'm running out of ideas, um, I you know if our listeners have any things that any glaring oversights that we've made, I I would love to hear it because I know that we're we're definitely missing one or two. Yeah. Uh, so you know, please tweet those suggestions at us, or email them to us, or whatever, or call into our voicemail and voice those suggestions to us, and we'll talk about them on next week's pod. Uh, no voicemails this week, Alex. We have a ton of other stuff to get to. We have a absolutely loaded three up three down uh and then we're going to talk a bit about mike schilt we're going to talk a little bit about the absolute posting legend keith olverman mm-hmm. before we do all of that fun stuff i am bobby wagner i'm alex basely and you are listening to tipping pitches it's it's evident that someone at new era had a bit of a brain fart at work, right? No. Kind of a kind of a a big one. I mean, <laughs> Alex, don't kill our chance to have a sponsorship here. What if New Era wants to sponsor the pod? And now you're dunking on them specifically? Right. This is this is the one that's going to get us canceled by New Era and not the the 7-minute parody intro. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't parody. That was a brainstorm. Come on. I all I'm saying is like there was clearly like a person behind this, right? And like I couldn't kind of get that thought uh, entirely out of my head, right? Where I was like, someone probably worked really hard on this. I mean, or it's possible that like it didn't and they just passed hats around the room and it was like everyone put something on here and then we'll No, it feels it like out. one of those ideas that started as a good idea. And if the person from New Era who had the idea is listening to this podcast right now, if you're one of the you know, ten people who listen to this show, I feel bad for that person because I think that it was one of those things where like, cool idea. And then it got freaking workshopped at mm-hmm. a round table for like two months. And everybody added their thing to it, and then it became yeah. what it what it was. Like if if you just had like one image and it looks really tasteful, you know, like instead of five clip art images and a bunch of area codes and a bunch of slow slang names for cities, like then it might have looked kind of cool. Yeah, but it's it's like you're you're working on a group project in school, so all the slides kind of look a little bit different. Like yes. it's not really cohesive at all. Everybody tries to pop off with their own slide. They're like, <laughs> right. graphic design, my passion. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I 
there's some there's probably some uh some corporate responsibility that needs to be taken here but you know sometimes sometimes you just you have a bad day at work you have a bad day at the office ain't that the truth man you know who also had a bad day at the office bobby yeah well will craig pittsburgh pirates first baseman first round pick so like i good baseball player i think yeah yeah Maybe has I, should, a, I feel has like a I should prep- career ahead of him. I should preface this by saying that Will Craig won the uh, minor league Gold Glove for first base last year. So just just go into this story with that in mind. It is the it is the moment that captured like all of Twitter. Like it is one of those rare moments where you open up Twitter and every single tweet like consecutively is talking about one thing. Like you just see the video over and over and over, and it's good because I watched that video over and over and over again. Can you can you explain to the people just what went down uh, uh, with the Cubs and Pirates this past week? Because I don't think that I can. Oh my God. I'm so sad that you threw to me to try to explain this because it's so hard to... How to describe what Javi Baez does on a baseball field? It's just beyond words, but I'll try. So I actually was on FaceTime with my parents yesterday and I mentioned that only to say that... Uh, the day that this pod is dropping is the day after my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. But I was on FaceTime with my parents yesterday trying to do this exact thing. So this is take two for me. Well, I mean, I can tap in if you if you need help. Right. If you, if you feel I'm leaving any details out, let me know. But Javi Baez is up to bad. I believe it's the second inning. So pretty early on, day game, Cubs-Pirates, Baez. There are two outs. Baez grounds the ball to third base. There's a man on second. Baez is running an out to first. Pirates third baseman, tosses it across the diamond over to first base. At this point, the guy on second has now advanced to third. He's kind of rounding third a little bit. As you do on two outs, you're running on contact. Wilson Contreras, who's not a, who, for a catcher, is like not a slow runner, right? Has a, has a couple stolen bases on the year. So he's, so he's all right. He's holding his own. Exactly. So throw pulls Pirates for first baseman Will Craig off the bag towards home plate. So he pulls it towards Javi as he's running to first. So, Craig, you know, as you do, sometimes first basemen just decide to forego stepping on the bag and tag the runner as they're running towards first. But Baez, instead of running into the tag, decides he's going to do something. And this is where it gets really interesting, Alex. He decides he's going to do something that I have never seen a baseball player attempt. Nor do I think that any other baseball player currently playing baseball would attempt. Or, yeah, would dare to attempt. He stops in his tracks and he turns around and he starts running back towards home plate. We're spending an awful lot of time describing something that I'm sure most of our listeners have seen. Right. But, but it's important, so I'll speed it up a little bit from here. Uh, the rest is history. He runs back towards home plate. Will Craig follows him. And all of this time, Wilson Contreras has, in all of this time, Wilson Contreras is rounded third. And he is now about to cross home plate, which is an irrelevant fact because that run would not count if Baez does not get to first safely. That's the way that baseball rules and scoring works. Uh, and then Will Craig just loses his mind for a sec and decides to throw the ball home to the Pirates catcher to try to tag Wilson Contreras to, to prevent the run that would have been prevented if he just tagged Baez. Walked back to first, first base. Or walked back to first base. Uh, and then Contreras slides in at home plate without being tagged. Pirates catcher then throws it to first base because Baez has turned around and started sprinting back. But he realizes first. there's there's no one at first base right now, right? It's open. He still has to get there. 
Yes. So he's too enthralled with what's happening at the plate, which honestly, same. Pirate. Baez stops to call Contreras safe at home, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts of all of this. Uh, and then he takes back off towards first base. Pirates throw to first. No one is covering. Ball goes into right field, and Baez ends up on second base safely. So that is those are the events as they unfolded. Mm-hmm. He Baez also worth pointing out comes around to score later that inning. So like, <laughs> and the pirate and and the pirates lose the game by two. So literally, literally the final score of that game, I checked on it yesterday because my dad was like, well, who, who won? And I was like, I'm pretty sure the Cubs won, but I don't know if this right, play yeah. matters. I don't know if this Twitter play matters. Like, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> the games. Who cares about the games? That's why I listen <laughs> to tipping pitches. I don't care about the games. Um, so I went to check the score and it turns out they won 5-3. So that, that play literally cost the Pirates the game, <laughs> which almost makes Will Craig a tanking legend because the Pirates are trying to get the first pick this year. Right. But it was just a delightful moment, just one that I never even thought that I wanted because I never even thought that it was possible. And Baez tries something insanely weird that would just be an otherwise uh, insignificant play that if if Will Craig turned around and stepped on first or if Will Craig tagged Baez, the only people who ever would have said anything about it would be like a Cubs beat reporter. And then we would have moved on. But it became this internet sensation. And everybody was having fun with it. And of course, when there's an internet sensation in baseball that everyone is having fun with, Keith Olbermann needs to come in and pour cold water on the fire. Right. So our, our good friends over at Cespedes Family Barbecue. Uh, real life rightful, good friends. Yes. Real life, real life, like actual friends of the pod, not just <laughs> the colloquial way that we talk about everyone. Um, point Make the good point that, you know, while, while this is obviously a heads up play by Baez, he is, you know, this happens because Will Craig just doesn't know how to write. Like, so, I mean, understandable, but I think you can grant equal praise to, to Baez and equal scorn to Craig because Baez forces a mental mistake, right? Craig has literally never seen a baseball player do this, right? So yeah. you, you freeze up at work. It happens. It's, uh, it's like he, he did something so weird that guys who spend every day of their lives making routine putouts just didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's like in basketball when like a defender just sprints at you yelling and you yeah. just turn the ball over because you don't know what the hell you're supposed to do. The next time yeah. someone tries this, Will Craig will know what to do. I promise you that. <laughs> yes, seared into his brain. Um, but the but the boys at at uh, at barbecue barbecue boys as as one might call them. Uh, <laughs> Michael Bauman has really tried to make the Q happen. He calls mm. the show the Q, and I'm like. Mm. It's that, that dangerous, is, dangerous it's, territory we're treading it's in. It's right really now. tinged with some some other stuff these days. Mm-hmm. They uh, they they ultimately end on the point that this happens because no one else in the world would really try this sort of thing, right? Javier Baez is a international legend, right? He and Tatis are maybe the only ones who would who would do this sort of thing, and that's amazing. Keith Olbermann takes umbrage to the idea that Javier Baez and Fernando Tatis would would be so creative to do this sort of thing and that they are the only ones who would be so creative to do this sort of thing. Because, Bobby, I don't know if you know this, someone back in 1911 did something just like this. I was actually, I was actually at this game. Yeah. No, it, it was, was a, a g- really good game. 
It's I see this one on ESPN Classics all the time. No, you were there too, actually, but this was before we were friends. <laughs> right. Yes, of course. Uh, he tweets, Germany Schaefer stole second base in hopes of drawing a throw so his teammate on third could score the winning run. When the catcher didn't throw, he then stole first base and took off for second base again and got into a rundown. But yeah, Javier Baez and Tatis invented baseball. Uh, <laughs> that, was a mouth, that was a mouthful. I still don't really, I don't really, I don't know that I processed like what, what even happened, you know? I did. I thought a lot I kinda about got, this. I got stuck on Germany Schaefer. I'm kind of like, okay, that's a that's a 1911 baseball name if I've heard one. <laughs> wow. Talk about things that you wouldn't name your kid in 1920, but might <laughs> name your kid in 1895. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, tough beat for Germany Schaefer. I hope that he was not round, roundly mocked for having that name during World War II. Um I saw this pretty early on and I tried to process what Olbermann was saying. And the more and more I thought about it, the more I was just like, this is just a different play. This is just <laughs> extremely different. Like this would be like, why are we pretending like Javi, Javi Baez invented baseball when I saw a pitcher hit a home run three weeks ago. And that was amazing. It's like, this is different. Right. Multiple, two things can be good at once. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what basically everybody said afterwards. Jake and Jordan then quote, we did his response and said, I'm just begging you to let the joy in for once, Keith, just for once, let the joy in. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about why he, why we think that Keith Oberman feels the need to just rail against fun young players? Cause there's like, there, there's the fun part about this. There's like everybody dunking on the same person on Twitter, which is always really fun for like two hours until you start thinking deeply about why that person decided to share that take and how many other people might feel that take. But then there's the more, I'm kind of interested in digging in and why he feels the need to be a right. web There's like an insidious in this part, part to this as well. Because this isn't his first time. You know, we talked a few weeks ago, I'm pretty sure we mentioned a few weeks ago when he shared that weird take about how Otani is, is a career 240 hitter over his last 65 games. Some weird... Uh, sample size selection that made Otani look bad, even though everybody watching him was like, this guy's amazing. So now this is now the holy trinity of young baseball players that he is insulting, Baez, Tatis, and Otani. And I don't think that he's like the last vestige of dude who is like, why are we pretending like these guys reinvented baseball? I think that there is like sort of a contingent out there for this. They might not be on Twitter where Olbermann decided he weirdly wanted to share this Germany Schaefer fact. But I do think that there are a handful of guys who are like, Tatis and Tatis is fine and Baez is, it's cool that he tried this, but why doesn't he also try hitting higher than 250? Yeah, I think, that, I mean, Keith Olbermann's brand is kind of just like curmudgeon. That's kind of like the shtick. And in the past, I have I have sometimes appreciated him because he <laughs> oh, Keith Olbermann fan in the chat. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, defend his ass. Uh, you know, he I think he goes against the grain of what a lot of other broadcasters or or sports analysts, commentators will will talk about. Um, yeah. yeah, but it speaks to this kind of larger reverence of you know the history of the game and like let's celebrate the history of the game instead of getting caught up in the moment right instead of 
you know, you're celebrating all these wonderful things right now, but how about these other wonderful things that happened a century ago? Like a, a literal century, more than a century. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the, the love and praise that has been showered on these, these young players that have come up in recent years is in part a reaction to just that mindset, right? Of being like, no, baseball is fun. These players are fun and we really should be celebrating them right now. And it seems more like Keith Olbermann is digging his heels in, right? Is saying, well, let's not, let's not forget about a time before the game was integrated. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say. Okay. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the only proper response in a real life context. In Twitter, on Twitter, we we can make memes all day long, but in in real life, it's like if a guy said this to you, he'd be like, "All right, next Wikipedia page, Keith." Mm-hmm. Like, I just I want to know why guys like Olbermann, a, a number of guys, like we're singling him out here because he was the one who decided to tweet this. But if somebody else tweeted this, it it wouldn't be that surprising either, because I I want to know why. Guys like Olbermann put the history of the game over the present of the game. Because, like, it doesn't take a genius to realize that what's happening in today's game is one day going to be history. And we're actually here to witness this. So why don't we live in the moment and enjoy it? And just say, to hell with all of the overwrought conversations about where these guys slot in in the history of a very long and complicated game that is beautiful that you and I love the history of baseball, but that's not what we're here for. We're here for baseball, not like the whole history of baseball in America. Yeah. Well, and and if you want to revere the history of baseball so much, talk about it more. Keith, talk about the Negro Leagues. Talk about, you know, the talk about 1968 right the the year of the pitcher and a flashpoint in us culture right there are so many interesting threads historical threads in the game of baseball that deserve to be tugged at because they are not tugged at more and right. respectfully i don't think that germany schaefer is is one of them but even if you think he is don't use him in the context of undermining something that people are excited about on that day like Truly debate television has broken this man's brain. Yeah. Like there, there is no corollary between these two things. Like I mentioned, this play is not the same. It didn't happen in the same century. Nobody else brought Germany Schaefer up. You just felt the need to pit one thing against the other. You feel the need to pit Otani against things that you saw in your youth or whatever. You feel the need to pit Otani against Babe Ruth instead of recognizing that nobody in between those two guys ever even tried to do what they're doing. We can, the tent is big enough, man, because we decide the size of the tent. We decide what is acceptable to be excited about in the baseball world. And you have people like Keith Olbermann who are trying to push things out of the tent. Don't be excited about Javi. Don't be excited about Tatis. Only be excited about this play from 1911. Right. And I'm sorry, man. Like, I'll read this paragraph that you tweeted out if the caption for your tweet was just like, man, that Javi play was crazy. This play was also crazy. Very cool. Yes. You contributed yeah, to the discourse. Exactly what I was about to say. It's so much, you know, he, 
it's really the phrasing of this that misses more than anything else. It's, the last line of being like, dude, but, of, it's, but of course, Javi and Tatis invented, invented the game of baseball. Like no one's, <laughs> where? Show me where in the tweet someone said that. And obviously he's trying to make a, a broader point about how much we celebrate these young stars, but it's just, it's easy to say, wow, yeah, there's nothing like this in baseball that has come close to this. The closest thing I can find is this instance where Germany Schaefer did this weird thing, right? And then everyone would be like, oh yeah, that that was weird. Yeah. And then everyone and then, would be and like, cool, it. thanks. And then, you, and then you avoid We all a had a good time. Yep. Because Jake and Jordan, I'll just say Jake, because I know that Jake tweeted this originally. Jake tweeted, no one in the world would ever dream of trying this. He didn't say no one in the history of baseball would ever dream of trying this. So you're just intentionally misinterpreting what they said to begin with. And you're trying to dump on their joy a little bit. And I'm just not down for that, man. I'm just not down for that. The history of the game needs to stop being the thing that pours cold water on the present of the game. Like We need to move on from that. We have this long, beautiful history. That's great. There are complications in that long, beautiful history. I'm totally open to talking about all of that stuff. You know who does that much better and in a much more positive light? than Keith Olbermann, someone like Bob Kendrick, who like has spent his entire life making sure that the stories of the Negro Leagues are passed on to future generations so that we can appreciate the current version of baseball. When Bob Kendrick comes out and he says, I don't like how baseball looks today, he's not doing it because like he's stodgy and grouchy. He's doing it with the understanding that the Negro Leagues was a very exciting, entertaining version of baseball with an incredible amount of athleticism, stolen bases, gamesmanship, a guy like Satchel Paige naming all of his 12 pitches, and we're missing that. But like, for Keith Olbermann to get up there and be like, well, Germany Schaefer reverse stole first base, so I don't, I don't see what's so impressive about Javi Baez and Fernando Tatis. Like, Germany Schaefer wouldn't have been playing if, Javi, if you transported Javi Baez back in the day. Like, yeah, on, I'm pretty the, sure that they would have selected Javi Baez's contract instead. So why don't we just like appreciate that he's a cool player? Yep. Yeah. Well said. I it's not a zero sum game. There's, wow, I got, there's I got much more, more mad about that than I thought I was going to get. Wow. Yeah. You know. Well, it, you I'm know, it happens. Up right now. <laughs> you read a Keith Olbermann tweet on the pod, and I guess you you get what you ask for, right? Yeah. I'm just seeing red right now. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, yeah, well speaking, speaking of red, seeing red. Yeah. The Cardinals. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. That was good. Um, we've we've got to talk about Mike Schilt and Giovanni Gallegos and and the hat heard around the world, the different hat heard around the world than the ones we started with. A lot right. of hat talk. It's true. A lot of lot of hat discourse. Pro- arguably not enough. We're not even going to talk about the the White Sox uh, City Connect threads and their and the somewhat divided reaction to them. I, but we're not going to talk about it. So I I guess that conversation ends there. Um. We're not going to talk about this thing that you're currently saying words about on a podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just letting okay. the listeners know. All right. Mike Schilt, Cardinals, Giovanni Gallegos. Do you, wanna, do you want me to tee this up a little bit? Okay. So I was watching <laughs> so I was watching the Cardinals and White Sox game. It was the only game on at the time. Uh, Cardinals. <laughs> you have to justify it with that. <laughs> I don't watch the Cardinals when I don't have to. Come on. Um, no, Gallegos comes into the game. Uh, apparently, we learned after the fact that Egos is a guy who wears the same hat during every start. That's not weird. I, I would wear the same hat during every start. I'm very superstitious. He has a little dirt on his hat. Potentially could be... Potentially, I will say this. Potentially could be pine tar based on how players handle 
using foreign substances when they touch the hat and there eventually get becomes a mark on the hat afterwards. Right. So could be Pantar, could be sunscreen and and rosin. There's a it kind of runs the gamut. But it could just really be know. it could just be dirt. Like it could yeah. literally yep. just be dirt after using this hat over and over and over again. But we don't know. And MLB umpires, it just makes it so much more explosive that Joe West was the person in this situation to do all of this. But MLB umpires have, you know, loosely been instructed to confiscate baseballs, items on the uniform that might have foreign substances so that they can send them away to the lab and have them tested for potential illegal foreign substance activity in the game. And it's and it's within their rights to toss the player if they want to, which didn't which didn't to their credit didn't happen here, right? They said we do what we got to do. We're going to take the hat and keep pitching. I mean, Gallego strikes out the next two batters, so how'd that right. work out? So so West comes out and he asks Gallegos to give the hat up, which is funny. It's it's because last week we talked about a manager stealing an umpire's hat while being ejected, mm-hmm. and then Joe West was like, "I'm going to steal a player's hat instead." <laughs> uh, so he comes out. He asks for the hat. And he asked him to change his hat. And he's ostensibly doing this so that he doesn't get ejected, right? And Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, immediately comes back out and he's like, immediately comes out to the mound while all of this is going on. And he seems annoyed. And at first I'm like, well, okay, why why is he mad? Like, this is the rule. I, I understand that it's inconvenient. It's annoying. You don't feel like your player did anything wrong. Your player's obviously telling you he didn't do anything wrong. And if you know Gallegos, I'm pretty sure Gallegos is not using like pine tar. He might be using sunscreen. He might be and and rosin, which technically is illegal, but basically everybody does to get a little bit more grip on the ball. But Schilt gets tossed for saying something to West very quickly too. He had yeah, not he, been out there for very long. No, Joe West has never missed an opportunity to toss someone from a baseball game. So Schultz gets tossed for arguing about asking for the hat. And then Gallego switches his hat. They bring him a new one. I don't know whose hat he got. They just have extra hats lying around in the dugout. I don't know. Um, and Gallegos goes one, two, three, six pitches. And see hitting. It's basically uneventful from that point on until the press conference afterwards. Um, I'm just going to play a little, a couple highlights from what Mike Schultz said. Um, so now let's get to the genesis of this conversation and this is the part that um is the it major league baseball has got a very 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 tough position here because there are people that are effectively and not even trying to hide essentially flipping the bird at the league with how they're cheating in this game with concocted substances there are players that have been monetized for it There are players that are obviously doing it, going to their glove. There's clear video of it. You can tell the pitchers that are doing it because they don't want to go to their their mouth, which Gio does off the rubber. And understandably, and I know comfortably, Major League Baseball is, is trying their best to do it in a manner that doesn't create any black eye for the integrity of the game that we love. Putting us in a real tough spot here, Alex, where we either agree with the Cardinals organization or we agree with Joe West. Although Schilt doesn't really position himself in opposition to West, he more so positions himself in opposition to Major League Baseball, the commissioner's office, and the handling of the whole situation around foreign substances. So we feel comfortable 
in opposition to that. So I, yeah. I turn it well, to you, and- my friend. What what do you have to say about about Schilt's sort of ten minute tirade that circulated and got a lot of people on Twitter to watch a ten minute video? It was quite the press conference appearance by Schilt. It was, yeah. He comes out and before taking questions, kind of gives this monologue on monopod, on, right? Exactly on why he was so upset. And should we give Mike Schilt a podcast on the Tipping Pitches Podcast Network? Well, you know what? He was not wrong. Yeah, and they. There are a lot of different ways to talk about this. And frankly, it's a hard conversation to have because I don't know what the right answer is, right? It's a really sometimes convoluted conversation about pitchers and what they can and, and can't do. And, and to his credit, right, as you mentioned, he, he doesn't, you know, his ire is not directed towards the umpires. In fact, he points out, he says, Look, I think I think it's unfair for the umpires to be put in this position that MLB has has made them be the arbiters of this sort of thing, right? Because it's so hard to tell, and obviously, you're you're not going to catch everyone. It's just going to be it's going to come into play if the, an umpire sees a glint of something on a pitcher's cap or glove or whatever. But Mike Schilt makes the slippery slope argument and makes it. Quite saliently. A man after my own goddamn heart making a slippery slope argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's right. He, he, he basically does everything except saying his name. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. check, check the timestamp. Wow. By, I've been recording for 45 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> just don't say it again. I'll use the bleep. It's going to be okay. before. Okay. But just, yeah. just don't say it again. Come on. Right. But he but he points out that plenty of players are, are doing this, right? This is a widespread practice across the league, and some players are actually flaunting their use, right? Flipping, as Eve says, flipping, flipping the, bird. the bird. Uh-huh. Oh my God, a man of a different generation. I, I love this. Just the such a Cardinals manager. <laughs> we start getting into really <clears throat> sticky territory with Ooh. this. Ooh. 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 Six out of 10. <laughs> because he's right. Every, every pitcher does do this. And a lot of batters are fine with it too because they understand pitchers getting a grip on the ball is ultimately not the worst thing in the world, especially when a lot of them are throwing 98 in the general vicinity of you. If a guy needs to have a better grip, that's by and large probably a probably a good thing, especially in a Don't year. Don't need to look that far yeah, backward, back in right, history to see the evidence of a guy losing control. Exactly. We're in a year where we're seeing record walks and hit by batsmen, and we haven't talked about this a lot, and I'm sure we will down the road, but it has, I think, a lot to do with pitchers, the, the rise in velocity, and in turn, the having, having less of an idea where the ball is going to go, right? So if pitchers want to use a little rosin and sunscreen to, to get that grip on the ball, so be it. Never in the history of baseball have pitchers known where the ball is going less. Like the, <laughs> yeah. and, and like but, stated, like like the catchers will tell you, I just set up in the middle of the play and hope that it goes to one of the corners. Like that, that doesn't, that didn't happen 25 right. years ago. Yeah. Except for a few guys who had historic stuff like Nolan Ryan. Who never knew where the ball was going. And that's okay because he Except for when he really was throwing at to. people. He knew, he knew where he wanted to throw mm-hmm. when he was throwing at guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buzzing the tower, as they say. I don't know. I I think he's right that MLB has a really tough problem on their hand because they have stated from the outset that they want to 
crack down on these foreign substances on balls, in large part because you're seeing these, as Schultz puts it, wiffle ball pitches that pitchers are throwing, right? Potentially, obviously, pitchers are just better now, but also that can be aided through actual like foreign substances that allow you to get a better grip and up that spin rate. We're seeing record spin rate levels, big spin rate fans on this podcast. Name a spin rate. Name your favorite spin rate. Uh, I like 278. Oh my God. RPMs. Big RPM guy. But there's a, there's a trade-off that baseball is going to have to make, right? If it wants to crack down on these pitches, pitchers are going to have less of an idea of where the ball is going. Yeah. And and what is the right answer? I don't know. I'm curious to hear your take on this because I don't know where I land on it. I think that pitchers should be able to use some sort of grip. Universal substance is the only right answer to this. Universal mm-hmm. sticky substance that is not quite at the level of pine tar because we've seen that pine tar can wreak havoc on the league to the tune of a Trevor Bauer Cy Young season uh, and several hundred RPM on a fastball. That's too much. But MLB has scientists. They can figure it out. They own Rawlings, so they can produce a sticky substance in conjunction with the people who produce the ball. It's not that hard. I think that that is the obvious solution. It boggles the mind that they haven't come to that years before this because this has been a storyline for quite a while now. Um, You know, Michael Pineda, like three years ago, got ejected from a Red Sox game for having a thing of pine tar on his neck that you could see with the camera. So, like, it just strikes me as disingenuous for MLB to pretend like they don't know what to do yet because they've they've procrastinated. Sorry that you don't know what to write for your intro paragraph to your paper that is due in two hours. Like, that one's on you guys. And that's where I sympathize with Schilt here because it's not Joe West's fault necessarily, even though I'm fine with him catching whatever blame that he catches for literally anything on earth. But... What you're doing when you come out and you ask a guy to change his hat, when you know, when you have umped Trevor Bauer starts, when you have umped Garrett Cole starts, I'll say whoever's name. I don't give a fuck. Garrett Cole uses his shit too. So it's yeah. not like Yankees fans listening to this pod. Go look at the jump in RPM from when he went from Pittsburgh to Houston. He's a great pitcher. I'm not mad at him. Everybody's doing it. Fine. He's still Garrett Cole. But Joe West has umped those guys starts. He didn't ask them to change their hat. He didn't ask them to change their glove. So when you come out and you ask a guy like Giovanni Gallegos, who is a, a reliever who is, you know, not, not exactly the biggest star in the game, to change his hat, you're showing him up, dude, because he's not using pine tar. Right. He might be using something else that is discoloring in the hat. But we know from the spin rates. We know from the stuff that Gallegos has. We know that the fact that his stuff didn't change too much. I haven't seen the spin rate numbers. But according to Schultz, his stuff didn't change. So I'll, I'll believe the bias party here because it suits my narrative. We know that it wasn't like something crazy foreign. So you're showing the guy up. And I get it that he didn't suspend him. I get it that he didn't get him ejected. But it's a spectacle. And now everybody has Giovanni Gallegos' name in their mouth yeah. for a weird reason. And so Schultz protecting his players. Something that he should have... Uh, passed a memo on to the opposing manager in this game, Tony La Russa, but we don't need to get back into that. Um, I understand all parties except MLB's party in the situation. Right. So just continue to drag their feet on this. <laughs> if you leave gray area, confusion is going to arise. It's just, that just is what it is. And this all stems from MLB weirdly being afraid 
to institute a rule that might look like a scandal. Like they they have such a complicated and tortured history with scandals in the game, but they're out of touch enough to not realize that everybody knows that this is an open secret scandal already. Every fan with a brain knows all of this already. They're worried about the blowback to them for not having acted earlier. And now it's like a feedback loop where it's like, we didn't do this five years ago. We didn't do this 10 years ago. And now it's almost weirdly too late. So mm-hmm. we're just gonna we're just gonna institute a policy where we say, just enforce our policy better, umpires, and then we'll like see how the umpires handle it and see if it just goes away. Right. Well, I mean, it is somewhat akin to the the way that steroids in baseball unfolded, right? Maybe to it's a, all the same story. A lesser it's degree. All the same story. But like, right, you have for years this unspoken secret uh in in baseball that everyone kind of knows that steroids are being done baseball knows that steroids are happening but they largely see it as good for the game because the hitters are really fun and they are this massive draw guys like Maguire and uh you know Sosa and Canseco and Bonds like everyone enjoys watching them but then the levies break right and it becomes a massive scandal and that's what MLB is staring down right now if if they don't come to some sort of conclusion on how to like actually address this in-house. Because trying to make an example out of one-off guys is arguably more unfair than pitchers, quote-unquote, gaining a competitive advantage for using a little rosin or something like that. I I, I do have to say, I, I agree with pretty much everything, a lot of what Schultz says in this interview, in this press conference. My fa- <laughs> My favorite part of it is when he says, you know, has has Giovanni, has he used sunscreen at some point in the past, potentially, to protect from protect himself from melanoma? Oh, incredible, sure, maybe. incredible commitment to the <laughs> bit by that. When I heard the word melanoma, I literally spit out my coffee. I was like, dude, so, yes. So good. When he's like, you know, is my clubhouse 100% clean? I hope so. <laughs> So wow, it's saying about as much as he can say there without without outing his team. Um, but like that just gets to the point of it, right? Is that he understands that players do this sort of thing. Uh, okay, should we take a quick break and come back and do three up, three down? Yep. All right, Alex, before we do three or three, I just have a couple more words for Keith Olbermann. Okay. <laughs> kidding, kidding, oh. kidding. You want to start with up or down this week? Let's let's start with up because we've had, you know, we've had just a bit of tension in the air. I can feel we've gotten a little riled up in the over the last 45 minutes. So I think we need we need to clear the air a little bit and and bring our spirits back up. How does that sound to you? Okay. I'm down. All right. Uh I mean No, no, I'm no up. up. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool, cool, bad, cool, cool, bad, cool, bad, cool, bad. cool, 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 cool. I'll go first. Uh my first up this week is the MVP campaign of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., <laughs> which uh is up in every sense of the word. It's up in my joy, it's up in likelihood. It's up in all of the all of the ups. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Let me just read you a, a, a couple stats here. Three thirty one. He's hitting three thirty one. 
with 16 home runs, 2.8 war, 41 RBIs. His OPS plus is an even 200, which means he is hitting twice as good as the rest of the league. Uh, 200 OPS plus is, is levels usually reserved for Mike Trout and the occasional Mookie Betts season. So he's on a tear right now. And for everything that you want to say about the inability to make contact, inability to get on base, boom bust hitters, power tradition like power hitters only caring about hitting home runs, that is not the case for Vlad. Like I said, he's hitting 331. He's getting on base at a 440 clip. Yeah. So his, almost is, by almost half the time he's getting on he, base. He is walking as much as he's striking out, which is to say, like pretty good for both, right? If you're in the 14% range in walks and strikeouts, you're doing a lot better than most guys these days. And now he's obviously not the best defender in the world, but I really just don't, I don't care. What he's doing at the plate is everything that was promised a couple years ago. It took him a couple years to get there. He tore up the minors. We thought that he was going to be one of these guys who the second he stepped foot on a major league field was just going to hit the cover off the ball. Like, because we got a little, I think we got a little spoiled with guys like Juan Soto. And it took him, you know, a few hundred plate appearances to become the best hitter in the world. Oh no, let's right. let's crucify him. It took him 800 plate appearances to have a 200 OPS plus. Yeah, was but, still an above average hitter in both of his in in his first two MLB seasons and and then was just like, yeah, you know what? I can actually be twice as better. Yeah, yeah. I I was 6% better and then I was 16% better and now I'm 100% better than the rest of Major League Baseball. Yeah. yeah. So, that's it. Vlad Vlad Guerrero Jr., Vladito. We have not spent enough time talking about him on this pod. Not sure how many Blue Jays fans listen to this show. Decent, decent showing of Canadian listeners for the Tipping Pitches podcast. Shout out to mm-hmm. all of our friends up north. Um, he's just such a star, such a star. Yeah, and, well, and- he, the way that he does it too, like that team is is really fun to watch. Hit extremely not fun to watch pitch. So they're a great second screen experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shouts out to my boy. Marcus Simeon. Um, and and yeah, you know, I we, we mentioned, I think, last week that Mike Trout is out for a prolonged period of time. That is off, obviously awful for the game of baseball and probably kind of a good thing for the AL MVP race because yeah. like other people have a chance and there's not going to be like a like a narrative around it. You know, we can sidestep that whole thing and just talk about which player was the best. It's funny how that works, right? We need Mike Trout to get hurt in order for it to be interesting to talk about at the end of the season. It's that like, says something. It's almost like Mike Trout is the best player ever. Uh, okay, what's up for you this week? First up for me, because, you know, we have to mention Shohei Otani. He uh, had some transit mishaps this week. Did you hear about this, Keith, Bobby? I hope Keith has stopped listening, because otherwise we're going to get a tweet from him that's like, Shohei Otani's not the first person to ever be late because of a train problem. <laughs> I missed my in whole 1894. First, I missed my whole first day of work when I was 18 because the subway stopped running. Lars von Battleberg <laughs> missed his horse connect. Otani <laughs> on Bart. This is yeah. like Alex Baisley Mad Libs. <laughs> Quite literally is. Yes. Facing the Oakland Athletics. I'm sure our listeners have heard about it, but I'll give a quick rundown. Otani is scheduled to start face off against uh Chris Bassett who would who would go out and nope AL Cy Young AL Cy Young Chris oh, Bassett yeah. Wait, was it against Chris Bassett? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolute goat. We love it. What is going on there by the way? 
Dude, I don't know, but I really like him. And he gave a really great post-game press conference where he like broke down a little bit and talked about how supported he's been. And I'm just like, damn, dude, you're number one in my heart now. Wouldn't have picked him as a breakout candidate, but it's not it's not crazy. He's not like blowing people away with 99, but like his fastball is really holds a really nice plane. So his 94 is closer to Shane Bieber's 94 than like Steven Matz's 94, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, he's been like he's been like a good pitcher for four years now. Anyway, I sure Chris Bassett is my fourth up. This, this is the Chris Bassett power <laughs> hour. I, I, he pitched when I saw them uh, in Anaheim two weekends ago. Shohei Otani was unable to make his scheduled start because he's on the team bus. And when when most players when teams come in to play the A's, they will often stay in San Francisco. We're not gonna get. We're not gonna get into it. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do it, Bobby. We're not gonna do oh, it. Oh God! The, the Angels team buses are coming across the, the Bay Bridge. Except there is an accident that has like, rendered them unable to get across. Which means that Shohei Otani and and Kurt Suzuki are forced to take Bart, not the Bart. I will point out. Yeah, get not that out the of Bart. Here. Even I know that. Never been to uh, Oakland. Yeah. No, it's. That was the least favorite. That's the down of my disc- that discourse this week. Um, they they got into a little trouble. Kurt Suzuki came out and said they they missed their transfer. They were the, the trains were running behind, I guess, which Bart called out on Twitter and said, "No, actually, but our service was fine." It sounds like a you problem. Oh my! God. And it really was. Shohei Otani and Kurt Suzuki. Have you heard of City Mapper? Dude, I love City Mapper. Big City Mapper hive. Big City Mapper, City, if you're listening, yeah. sponsor the pod. Sponsor yeah. the pod. Yeah. But uh, you know, even even the old Google Maps would have done in this situation. I can't trust them, honestly. I, I, Go- I Google Maps either, but- are very clearly designed for people who are taking trips between suburbs. Like, <laughs> just does not work well in cities. <laughs> anyway, I, it, I mean, it led to like about 10 minutes of just absolute panic on baseball Twitter because Joe Madden, like, you know, in a couple hours before the game is scheduled, or a couple hours, maybe like three hours or so before the game is supposed to start, comes out and says, Shohei Otani has been scratched. Yeah. And this comes it's after last weekend. not an injury weekend. issue. Yeah. Well, this comes after last weekend when Otani lost about four miles an hour on his fastball towards the end of his start because of some uh-huh. fatigue and... That's been a precursor to him miss it, like him being actually legit injured, and that's a really big red flag for any starting pitcher who starts to lose velocity. Right. So all of Twitter has a collective heart attack, and then Otani comes, uh, and then Madden comes out and says, "Nope, uh, just it's just trouble late, with traffic, running late." <laughs> and you know who can relate, right? The number of times I have shown up to work late. And just had to be like, I'm sorry, the subways. You know, that's just kind of a blanket get out of jail free card. Unbelievable. Just, sorry, the L train. What can you say? I didn't expect to have to talk about the L train today, but here <laughs> we are. I don't, even, I don't even take the L, but anyway. You take the L, brother. <laughs> you take the You're an ace fan. You know how to take the L. Okay. How's <laughs> first place sound? Sounds good because my team's sounds also pretty in good first for, place. for both of us. <laughs> okay, <laughs> two straight weeks where the A's and Mets are both in first. Is this a tipping pitches first? I, Very I possibly know, might be. Yeah, the stars are aligning. Anyway, what is I'm not next? Going to fact check you? that because it can only go down from here. Uh, yeah, next up for me, our friend Joey Votto. <laughs> uh, Joey Votto joined the booth for the 
uh, Reds Cubs game, and he just he had just had a good time. Here, I'll play you a little clip that our friends from Cespedes Family Barbecue, big barbecue pod today, mm-hmm. shared on Twitter. And heavy on the fastball, Chris Welsh along with Tommy Thrall and Joey Votto on the play-by-play. Take it away, Joey. little personal note on Sean Doolittle. Big Grateful Dead fan. <laughs> As he delivers strike one to Eric Sogard. You really did a lot of deep research for that. I play, with these, I play with these men. I play with these men. I know them intimately. I believe his wife also is a big Grateful Dead fan. Vin Scully is shaking in his boots right now. Big Grateful Dead fan. He couldn't even get it out without <laughs> laughing. Like he, he, it's just so good. It's like there's more. They have a yeah. whole thread of it. We'll link to it in the description. But more players getting in the booth on their day off. Fully support. Yeah. Well, I think Votto is injured potentially, right? Or I mean, not on the IL, but yeah, it was maybe hurting a little bit. Okay, I didn't know, but I'm not catching a lot of Reds games these days. Though I will say. The Reds, similar to the Angels, have two outstanding baseball players and a bunch of not outstanding baseball players. Uh, Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos both have OPSs over 1,000. Yeah. So hitting 1-2 for the Reds, who are like three games under. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Weird. Also, weird. I don't know, heard of a little guy called uh, Sonny Gray? I have heard of that guy. I, I, I very much wish that he was on the Mets. I wish that that trade happened, but we could talk about that. It just should Someone's- have been... Just should have been Suarez and Gray for whatever prospects they want. <laughs> oh, whatever just, you want. Take your pick. Brandon Drury, Alex. Brandon Drury is playing a lot of games right now. <laughs> wow, that's that's not a name I thought would come up on this podcast. Um, anyway, yes, you are... Billy McKinney is the best player in the lineup at the moment. That's A's draft legend, Billy McKinney. He's only 26, all right? He I have, might still I have break a signed up. I have a signed baseball card of his, all right? I'm still I didn't I'm still sell every stock. I still own two stocks. <laughs> okay, what's up? Next for you. Next up for me, a good friend, another friend of the pod. Well, Senator Bernie Sanders and uh, and one Senator Chris Murphy introduced oh uh introduced quite a bill into the Here Senate we this week. Here we go. Would make college athletes employees. It would define them as employees, allowing them to unionize. Uh, the, the bill is called the College Athlete Wait, right unionize? To- I'm out on that. <laughs> yeah. No. Just unions don't work everywhere. They, yeah, they really don't. They, they've worked in the past, but... It's just not... Things have changed. And honestly, college athletes get treated pretty well anyway. So I don't, know, I don't know what anyone's talking about. Um, the, the College Athlete Right to Organize Act would... Define any athlete that receives compensation from the university contingent on them playing sports. So like uh, scholarships, tuition aid, housing, etc. They are employees, right? Because they are in some form being paid in non-monetary terms to perform for the university and generate millions upon millions of dollars they're being paid an exposure dude come on yeah i know i know that's how we pay each other on this podcast <laughs> we pay each other an exposure and it's like a handshake deal yeah this is this is uh, we are going to have to dive deeper into this and at a later point on the podcast because there's a lot going on in the college sports world right now where the tide is is really changing this is the bill. I, I, I don't imagine it's going to pass. I, I don't see a world in which this passes. But certainly not in a, in a world in which 35 
Republican senators and a minority can crush up any bill that they want to. Yeah, certainly not a world in which Joe Manchin exists. But anyway, there are some states that are, that are going to start letting college athletes profit off their, their name and likeness this year. So, and that is the kind of thing where even just a few years ago, I think seemed unheard of. So while I, I don't think college students are going to get to unionize this year, this is not the first time this kind of thing has come up. There are, there are divisions that have started having these conversations and saying, what, what would this sort of thing actually take? Yeah. Political will is a, is a, is a big part of it. Truly. The, the question about college student unionization, and maybe this, we should save the bulk of this for a different pod, like you said, but a bill saying that a group of workers, if you consider the teams to be workers, right? Like, which you should, but a group saying that those workers can unionize, a, a bill saying that those workers can unionize, rather, is just, you know, to borrow a baseball term, eyewash, right? Like, whether or not you can unionize really only depends on whether or not you can get it done. Like the Northwestern football team tried this a few years ago and they ended up failing because they were facing so much pressure. But what what a bill like this does is it just brings it into the political discourse. It just brings it, like you said, it just gives you a little more will. It gives you a little more backing in the public consciousness. If every big college baseball or basketball or football team was like, we're not playing until we get X, Y, Z, and so on, guess what? The NCAA would yeah. give it to them. So they'd get it. And whether you call that a union or not, that's collective labor coming together to make demands. And that's that's what unionization is. So yeah. that, whether you legally allow them to join a, a different sports union or form a new sports union that's registered with the Department of Labor matters less. But in this instance, what you know Bernie and Chris Murphy are doing is giving them a path and giving them inspiration. And yeah. that matters. And that's that's a great reason to put this on your up this week. Okay. What's up for you? I'm sticking with the Reds. Uh, nice. and, I'm, and I'm gonna go with the aforementioned big, big big Reds guys here on this podcast in more <laughs> as, ways than one. As for usual. Um and I'm gonna go with the aforementioned Sean Doolittle, uh aforementioned by Joey Votto, not by us. <laughs> Grateful Dead fan, Sean yeah, Doolittle. Grateful Dead fan, Sean Doolittle. And on my up this week is just the the beautiful tribute that the Washington Nationals put together for Sean Doolittle's return to Nats Park. Um, you know, it's we get a lot of tribute videos, right? For players who return. Um, guys get standing ovations from fans all of the time in their first game back. That's one of my personal favorite things is when a guy returns and just has all of the respect that they deserve and and have earned over their years with a single organization. But it just felt a little different with Sean coming back to Washington where him and his wife Erin have done so much work in that community to try to did so much work in that community to try to make it better in their time there. And the fact that the Nationals fans realized and appreciated that and that the organization embraced their desire to make change in that community and all of it was for a reliever like people were crying you know people a standing ovation the four minute long video for for a relief pitcher who you know granted had a great run there was an incredible reliever was part of the team that won the world series was on the mound when the nats won the world series that stuff is all huge but if it was just an average reliever you wouldn't see that. And so this whole 
scenario just made me so incredibly happy for Sean to like get that reception friend of the pod multiple time guest of the pod but also weirdly makes me optimistic about the potential for relationships between players and communities Mm -hmm. to happen earnestly and to actually really affect change and mean something because look if guys try the opportunities are there and a lot of guys are trying and a lot of guys are doing great work and it, it just is really inspiring and sweet to see it pay off in this way. Always fun when just like normal dudes make it, you know, like a big, big fan of like just a normal, a norm Sean do little, as many of you have heard, straight up a dude. like just, just a guy <laughs> loves, loves star Wars and hanging with his dogs and the grateful dead and like who among us. Right. But, but you're right. Like the, there's a path here for for more players to engage earnestly with with fans and communities, and not every guy will be interested in that sort of thing, and that's and that's okay. There are a lot of <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of baseball players out there who I'm not interested in building a relationship with. Right, that's fine. Um, but name them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we are past the 45 minute mark. Uh, <laughs> you know, engages with fans. Um, all that to say, yeah, we're we're moving towards a place where the barriers are being broken down more and more, and that's a that's a that's a net good. Okay, your final up. All right, my final up. I'm going to a baseball game this week. Oh, I am stoked, folks! It's not a major league game. It's not even a minor league game. Oh, it would have been a year ago. Uh, not this year. <laughs> uh, I am going to see the the now independent Kane County Cougars out here in Geneva, Illinois, baby, and I'm I'm excited. Again, they were they were a part of the quote unquote reorganization of the minor leagues. It's a very generous term there. Yeah, seriously. And they they now play. Uh, they're now part of the American Association, which is one of quote unquote the partner leagues the 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 test testing grounds um <laughs> but i i am excited because i still think it carries the ethos of minor league baseball right nothing about the 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 stadium or the fans or the sport itself has has changed i think independent league baseball is it's really fun right because it does not have the the baggage that I think a lot of minor league baseball games and major league baseball games have, right? There's a little more, a little more freedom there. Uh, King County Cougars also got some, got some nice history. They were a Marlins affiliate. And uh, I don't know, you heard of, heard of guys like Miguel Cabrera? Heard of, uh, heard of Dontrell Willis? Just two faves right there. (laughs) Here's another one. Josh Beckett. Do you think Dontrell would come on the pod? I, probably, yeah. I you think know. Josh Beckett or, would come on the pod, or maybe we'd have to book a cameo with him. Oh, uh, good idea. Yeah, they they. I mean, their affiliations have been all over the place. They were, they were with the A's, which I, I don't think I knew. I didn't know that, but that's all right. That's okay. All right. You can admit that. Yeah, Cubs, Diamondbacks, lots of history there. All that to say, I'm just kind of excited to be able to watch baseball in person again and frankly i'm i'm excited to do it in an environment where i'll I'll actually be able to see the players like names on their back you know 
no nosebleeds out here. I'm thrilled to be you. able. I want to be able to smell their deodorant. That's <laughs> that's so exciting. Um, I wish I was going with you. That's remember when we went to uh Trent Thunder game together? Did we go? We did, right? No, you you do you do like to bring this up, and I, and vicariously speaking, I do think I was there. No, I think but, we were there. I swear. No. no. Okay, whatever. Uh, I'm That's I'm okay. thrilled. I'm That's thrilled okay. for you. That'll be that'll be wonderful. You'll be able to uh just just afford a, a quick little lunch or dinner, depending on what time the game is, without having to take out another loan. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is great. This is great. What fun. Yeah. I hope we're back. Uh, bring back a. Uh, in indie league ballpark report for us. When Absolutely, you, when you come back on the podcast. I'm gonna have week. the scouting rundown ready to go. Great. Okay, should we go to okay. down? Let's move to our downs. All right, this one, it's a real. This is real tipping pitches core right here. Okay, I'm gonna read you a Jeff Passan tweet. Oh, the Tampa Bay Rays are about to win their 11th straight game. This is from May 24th, the same week they traded their starting shortstop. They'll have the best record in the American League. Bum, bum, bum. with a payroll that's about one third of the Yankees and Red Sox they're quite good at what they do Alex is the payroll relevant here does the payroll make them good right the tweet Did the payroll win 11 straight games oh guys what are we doing why are we who who cares I for one don't know you know, do I necessarily think they would be astronomically better if they spent a hundred million dollars more? No, not Depends necessarily. Depends on the players. Like, but yeah, I think uh, I, maybe they're certainly <laughs> not going to get worse if they keep the same players and then add a hundred million dollars worth of players that the Rays think are good. If yep. you really think that they're quite good at what they do, if that what they do was acquire good more good players for market value. Yeah, I think that even they, they'd probably be, be good at that too. You know, mm-hmm. I am just, frankly, a little bit tired, and I feel a little bit condescended to by large national reporters because you and I get on here, we whine about owners all the time, and that's our thing. Okay, we think that owners are ruining baseball. We genuinely believe that, and we talk about it all the time. Every week on this podcast, we've spent all of many years doing this podcast trying to make it better because we think that owners are ruining the game. They're making it worse for fans. The business interests of baseball are stripping away some of our joy out of the game. And national reporters are constantly signaling to us that, you know, we should just appreciate what the Rays do. You know, we should. The business of the game is the business of the game and we shouldn't worry about it and et cetera, et cetera. We should just, this is how they operate, whatever. And then someone like Jeff Passan goes out here and praises the Rays for their low payroll right in the middle of a win streak where we could just ignore the payroll. So what is it, Jeff? Should we ignore the payroll and not talk about it all the time and not whine about it and not tell you that you need to talk about it more and not tell national reporters that they don't focus enough on the raise and ownership being cheap? Should we stop talking about that? Or should we talk about it more? Because you brought it up, dude. Like, I'm sorry, but don't get mad at tipping pitches for saying the same lines over and over again about how tipping pitches sub in anybody who brings this up all of the time. 
about how the Rays are cheap and it's ruining baseball. Don't say that out of one side of your mouth and then the other side of your mouth appreciate that they're, they have a payroll one-third the size of the Yankees and the Red Sox. It's logically inconsistent. And like I said, I feel a little bit condescended to. Yeah, agreed. Um, my, uh, the part of this that I enjoyed, the, the kind of wrinkle, if you will, which I was separate, separate from this whole ordeal, but <laughs> I think actually may have happened on the same day, is uh, that principal owner Stuart Sternberg was sued by, uh, by some raised minority uh, owners for apparently trying to secretly negotiate a deal to sell the raise to Montreal investors. Um, they, they allege that he's been squeezing them out, depriving them of profits. Well, really? I wouldn't expect that from him. Um, Stuart Sternberg, good at what he does. I, what he does is keep as much money for himself as corporate possible. Corporate malfeasance. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, it's true. Just, do you know what I mean, though? Like, we have just been... We've had so many people tell us, like, and Rays fans too, stop focusing so much on the payroll. It's not interesting. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. We know. We know this story. We know this story. It's like, we're not the ones driving the discourse here. It's stuff like this. Like, it's reporters falling all over themselves to praise the Rays for every single thing that they do. And then, like, well, we sorry that we need to be the dissenting voice in this situation, in this equation. Yeah. Jeff Passon is like, is right for all the wrong reasons, right? Like the Rays are good at what they do because they found a way to to cobble together a good team and not have to pay their players. So congratulations for showering them with praise on that. But and, and like I'm just certain that if if we responded to like if Passon tweeted out a Willie Adamas trade or say that we went back and pass and tweeted about the Blake Snell trade, just the breaking news thing. And we responded to a pass and tweet being like, why aren't you bringing up the fact that they're trying to lower their payroll here? And he was their top paid pitcher and they didn't want to extend him because he, blah, 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 blah. It's going to cost them more. If we said that response to him, he'd be like, why are you? Bring-? He would be mad. Like he'd be mad that we were in his reply saying that he's like, I'm just a reporter. I'm just saying what happened. Well, then you're just a reporter. You're saying what happened here. Weirdly shoehorning in the fact that their payroll is a third of the size of the Red Sox and Yankees. Can't have it both ways. Sorry. Fun to be a mouthpiece, right? Uh, okay, down for you. Okay. First, down before we for, continue to bash. We're debating serious enemies at Olbermann and we've, Passon we've, today. Yeah, we really are. <laughs> New era, Olbermann and Jeff Passon. Just put it in the title. <laughs> first down for me, because I, you know, we have to talk about this for like the third or fourth straight week, is uh, the Oakland A's and Dave Cavill. They've, mm. been, they've been having fun this past week, just like as they say, flipping the bird uh, yeah. to the city of Oakland by going on a like quote unquote um, you know exploratory trip, exploratory tours of potential other locations where the Oakland A's could play baseball. It's it is. I mean, it's obviously just a move to try and make Oakland jealous. Yeah, we're and, taking a break and also seeing other people during the break. Yeah, exactly. You just are trying to twist their arm and say, "Okay, fine, I get it. We'll get we'll get back together. We can do it." David Cavill is just like, uh, like very. I mean, just like cringe. weeks of weeks of showing his ass. He absolutely is just like he's posting cringe, posting cringe repeatedly. Um, he went to a Las Vegas Knights game. They're a hockey team in Las Vegas, one of the one of the sites the A's are ex, quote unquote exploring. And uh, and posted quite a looked like he was having a, quite a fun time at that game, just loving the playoff energy, 
just incredible. Uh, Las Vegas Knights, noted division rivals of Bay Area hockey team, the San Jose Sharks. Cavill, my guy, Dave, Come just read. Ah, uh, just read the room. Like it's so, it's so easy to, like, not show your ass online. Like but it like, really, he it really read the room is. and did this shit on purpose, dude. Like, no, the, I know. So, so, don't tell him to read the room. I'd rather just hear the quiet part out loud. You know, like many people brought up his tweet from a few years ago when he was at a San Jose Sharks game and tweeted a similar sentiment. Like, it's rocking in here. I love San Jose. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. I don't know, man. What do you expect from a guy who did a summer internship for the George W. Bush administration? <laughs> <laughs> did you really? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's from, actually hilarious. Well, it makes sense. The reason that I was on the Wikipedia page for Dave Cavill is because I wanted to see where he was from. Like, if he was from Las Vegas, maybe you could get away with this. Still right. wouldn't be good optically, but if you were from Las Vegas, I'd understand. Turns mm-hmm. out he's from um, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Okay, cool. Famously <laughs> not Las it. Vegas. <laughs> Famously not Las Vegas. Uh, I mean, the best part about all of this is it backfiring on him and him just getting ratioed to all hell because Ace fans and non-Ace fans were like, dude, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? Aren't you supposed to be looking for a stadium, supposedly? He said is, that isn't the that what A's, this is about? He said that the A's are on a quote parallel path between Oakland and Las Vegas. Just incredibly not how this works. Yeah, right. Oh, interesting. Okay, fine. This is like a starting quarterback thing in in um in football where like if you have two starting quarterbacks, you have no starting quarterbacks. Right. If you have two cities for your ballpark development, you have no cities for your ballpark mm-hmm. development. This is really an all in on one or the other kind of situation. Yeah, seriously. Also, really fun. Uh, just just a few years removed from being out from under the Raiders' shadow, and Cavill's like, no, no, no. I actually, I preferred it in the shade. He just loves the Davis family. <laughs> uh, okay, we could go forever on this, but we really won't because you know, as always, long pod. Uh, next down for you, Bobby. The next down for me is the, I, I don't even know how to talk about this without yelling, truly like raising my voice, uh, is the White Sox renaming the Loretta Lounge, which was a concessions area of their ballpark named after Loretta Macell. I hope I'm saying that correctly, who worked in concessions for the team for a very, very long time. They had named it they named this area of the ballpark after her and it surfaced on Twitter this past week that they renamed it the LaRusa lounge after Tony LaRusa. Now they put out a statement and they said the statement makes weirdly no sense. Although it came from Jerry Reinsdorf's office. So I don't know why would I be surprised prior to Tony LaRusa becoming manager, a space that had been named after LaRusa for many seasons was relocated to the current area area on the 100 level during the 2020 season. Loretta Macell has always been a treasured member of the White Sox family and a plaque in her honor remains in the space to honor her memory despite the name change. As we say in the plaque, Loretta was dedicated was a dedicated concession staff member known for her service with a smile with a smile attitude. That's that's somebody didn't read that. Just shows about how much effort went into that press release. Um, What the fuck are we doing, dude? Does this guy really need another thing? It's so funny that they like made it like they were like, no, 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 you don't get it. We did this before he was the manager. 
like, wow, that acts, that makes it way worse. Tony LaRusso was with your organizations for less than a decade. Why are you naming a lounge after him? This man can be celebrated in so many other ways if you really would like to celebrate him. Whereas Loretta's lounge was like the place. Her thing. That was, that was her thing. She worked for the White Sox for like 60 plus years. 60 plus years. That's insane. Just slinging overpriced beer to baseball fans who loved her. Right? Like these are, when you talk about building relationships with your communities, that in theory is one way to celebrate someone, right? Who's important to your community. And White Sox fans are like equally outraged over this, right? Apparently the the, the family called the White Sox and said, hey, can, do you think we can at least like get the sign? You know, and the White Sox were like- there. Yeah, they used to be there. The White Sox like, oh, we tossed it. Wow. Sorry. I didn't even yeah. see that. Mm-hmm. They were like, wow. we'll make it's, another it's one for you, though. the White Sox on this pod. That is <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Dude, change it back. Frankly, like, change it back now. <laughs> and if you don't change it back, like, I think that White Sox fans should rip that other sign down. <laughs> Honestly. Direct action, baby. Let's go. I, I will go to Chicago and help White Sox fans rip that other sign down. That is mm-hmm. absurd. Yeah, maybe pretend, I'll have to make a little detour on the way to the Kane County Cougars. To pretend like you did this as a way to make it more honorable for Loretta by putting a plaque up? Like, why not just put a plaque up and also keep the name? The name of the thing is the thing that honors her. Loretta's Lounge. This is for her. She earned this. And now LaRusa will never even notice that this was named after him. He doesn't even know where this is. He's not even been in this part of the ballpark in his life. It's such a sham. And it's like too real to be fake. We couldn't make this up. We could not make this up. Oh, White Sox gonna, gonna White Sox, huh? Reinsdorf gonna Reinsdorf? <laughs> Fuck Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm so mad. I can't believe this. I yeah, would, I would, if I was a concessions worker, I would go on strike over this. Frankly, like immediately. Yeah, I mean, you you have to imagine that they are going to have to do some something to rectify this because the outrage has been like insanely broad, like across all fan bases, has gone beyond baseball, right? I mean, the 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 tweet about it went, you know, semi viral on Twitter, and everyone's like, universal hey, this, disapproval. Yeah, this sucks, guys. Real bad move on your part. So, you know, we saw bullying work over the the new era hats. Come on, bring it back. Round two. We can make it work again. Wow. That's, can you just go? Because I just, yeah. I'm going to keep yelling. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we're still in downs, so we'll just just have to redirect the yelling. Um, there was it's a good thing that- we did down second, because this has completely derailed my entire, I just don't even want to be on this pod anymore. <laughs> they threw the sign away? Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, go, go, just yeah. go. The, uh, in a bit of our, uh, back to a, an older beat of ours, which is, you know, Tim hashtag sports journalism. Oh, okay. Big journalism guys here. Do you know, we, we both studied journalism in school. Not sure if we've ever mentioned that. New York University. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, the New York Times. Studied are, journalism. Was, <laughs> Every single class is just like. Here's how you write a lead. And we're like, cool. Here's yeah. how you add color to your story. It's how do like, you interview someone? Awesome. 
you just have to really? be uncomfortable all the time. And I was like, I don't know if this <laughs> exactly. is the profession for me. Then. I still, I still don't really, uh, still don't really know. Get nervous before interviews to this day. Um, the New York Times, it was reported by Axios this past week, is uh, is potentially in talks to, or is in talks to potentially by the Athletic, the uh, subscriber only sports behemoth at this point, relatively young sports behemoth that is now really kind of has a, has quite the monopoly on sports coverage on like down to the ground beat level sports coverage. Notably it, it took quite a lot of, uh, I don't know, firings, bleeding of, of people's jobs across the country from local papers for this to actually work. But and then know, a lot of hawkish VC money scooping up uh-huh. all of those people who had just gotten fired. Yeah, yeah. This is, I guess that's that's how it goes. It, it's this is interesting because like it 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 makes sense and it kind of doesn't at the same time, right? Like it it makes sense in the sense that you are potentially grabbing a new subscriber base, people who maybe don't already read the Times. This is an easy entry into boots on the ground sports reporting. Yeah. It doesn't make sense because when have the New York times been interested in this sort of thing, right? Like, yeah, they very rarely delve into those sorts of stories. And I find it really hard to believe that they're actually going to be interested in employing beat writers for every single hockey team and every single baseball team and every single football team and basketball team. Like, yeah, maybe they will. But my guess is that there are going to be some people who would lose their jobs if that happens, because that's how this usually works when there are acquisitions. Yeah, it's hard. It's tough to say. Okay, there's a couple elements of this. Number one, the New York Times business model being we want people to pay for our service and the athletics business model being we already have people paying for a service that we provide that is for the most part good. Perhaps it would be good that the New York Times could institute some editorial standards in which you don't dox someone who's been bullied by Trevor Bauer on Twitter. Maybe yeah. that can maybe that could help. Yeah, maybe maybe you know hiring beyond the the pool of white men, but I don't know, so who I think, have been <laughs> recently laid off by their local paper. Yes, um, I think I feel optimistic enough about this. Like the New York Times employs literally tens of thousands of people. You know, like yeah. journalists all over the world that you'd never even realize are writing stories about everything. You could never read all the stuff that the New York Times does. So I feel confident that if they were interested in buying The Athletic, it's because like they're interested in keeping a larger market share of, of people who feel like they need to read content on the internet. You know what I mean? Like The New York Times is writing stories that are really important. The Athletic is writing sports stories that people can't get anywhere else anymore. It's a marriage. I understand I understand it conceptually. The last thing that I think is potentially a positive of this, even though, you know, my feelings on mergers and acquisitions aside. Right. Monopolies. Uh, <laughs> How we feel? Uh, New York Times unionized. So the, all the people at The Athletic would become guild members. Yeah, that'd be tight. It would be really tight. Uh, so that would be cool. You know, we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. But as people who read The Athletic a lot and who have a vested interest in making sure that the people 
who work there continue to get to do the great stories that they do about the teams that we care about. You know, we've had some athletic writers on this. We've had many athletic writers on this podcast before. Um, hope, hope all works out, I guess. I still don't yep. really know how mergers and acquisitions work. <laughs> I don't, I don't really understand either. Right. I mean, this is, it's the kind of thing that kind of already exists at the New York times, right? Like New York times cooking is a, is effectively like a, a separate vertical, right? Where you can, you gain access to it. You pay for New York times cooking and, you know, we can have a conversation about whether I should have to pay for New York times cooking and the New York times, but I don't, uh, you want to have that conversation? I really, I don't, cause I don't have a formulated opinion on it, but like they clearly have are, are in this space already. So I kind of get it. The, the funny, the, the fun footnote to the, to this news story is that, uh, there were a couple other news uh, organizations that were also interested in potentially buying the athletic, which was Axios no, themselves. Tipping Pitches Media is interested in acquiring the athletic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Start the bidding at one dollar, and from what I've heard, that's more than their net worth based on their debt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and one Vox Media. Vox Media, Vox Media, known for for absolutely gutting their sports coverage over at SB Nation uh, not too long ago. Lots of people lost their jobs. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of them who now write for the Athletic. So funny how that works, right? Genuinely, no comment on that. Wonder if those people will get their desks back. I can't comment on that. Okay, Uh, the final down for me this week is. Oh, an interesting exchange on Twitter between uh, an interesting exchange on Twitter between um, Eric Hosmer and AJ Casabell, who is the um, MLB.com beat reporter for the Padres. Uh, he wrote a story about Fernando Tatis Jr. having more throwing errors this season than in previous seasons. What the Padres are doing to work to correct that, try to make it easier on Hosmer over at first picking some of his throws because Tatis has a has a cannon for an arm. So those throws are coming in at upper 90s and, and short hop in Hosmer. So it's been a little bit of a problem. I th- we've talked a bit about Tatis's errors on this show and in mentioning him in passing. Um, the story is like unbelievably run-of-the-mill beat reporter stuff. Tatis Jr. having a couple throwing errors. Talk to the third base coach. Third base coach says what they're trying to do to fix the throwing, er- throwing errors. That's the whole story. It's 500 birds. Which I've the throwing it. errors exist. They, I think Tatis Straight himself up. would admit it. <laughs> like, they just exist. I, I've seen them with my own eyes. I don't care if Tatis admits it. And Eric Hosmer comes in in the replies off the top rope, tags Marcus Stroman, Mets legend, I'll never say a bad word about him, uh, and says, you got any more of those poo-poo take hats? Which... This was a whole thing that earlier this year on Twitter, I think earlier this year, maybe last year, where Strowman said that he was going to create poo-poo take hats to wear about like writers who have bad takes in articles or something like that. I don't know. Not worth diving into that. So the insinuation being that Hosmer thinks that Cassavell's story is a bad opinion. Now, normally I would side with players when they think that writers have a bad opinion about the game because like writers are usually wrong because they're usually replying to like Nightingale or Phil Mushnick or whoever. But this is literally just a story about Tatis's throwing errors. Casabell talked to the Padres third base coach 
who said, yes, there are these throwing errors. Yes, we're working to correct them to make life easier on Eric over at first. And Hosmer is like mad about it. It, it waters down the uh, believability of when players claim stuff like this in the future. If you're just going to say this to a random 500 word beat story that should have just passed by like a ship in the night. And then Casabel like feels the need to defend himself afterwards, to, like keep the relationship with Hosmer and he didn't mean anything wrong with it. But like, why are we, why are we doing this? There are plenty of reasons to be adversarial with the media. I understand that if you're a player, this is not one of them. So it, it's down for me that we're like, that he's spending time worrying about this and that we're spending time talking about this and that Casabella is spending time defending his article, his routine article about throwing errors. It's all just kind of weird. The whole media player relationship is kind of out of whack this week. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's plenty we could go The Girardi into thing didn't point. even come up. Yeah. Did you see this exchange? Did you have thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I saw the exchange. I've, yeah, just kind of lame. And I also, it kind of went over my head a little bit because I was initially unfamiliar with the poo-poo take hats. And I try Googling for that. Dude. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> Search history looking looking a little whack. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I think media having a, positive relationship with the players is probably it's probably a good thing so let's maybe we try and keep it that way folks yeah okay your final down all right my final down this week um and i'll keep it brief it is uh you know more journalism talk the associated press heard of them i have yeah (laughs) um is partnering with fanduel to provide exclusive to exclusively provide fanduel's betting lines and odds and and information in their sports coverage. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Right? Media organization getting getting paid by the by a by a betting company to provide their uh data to readers. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like that doesn't happen very very often, especially with a place like the Associated Press, which I think is is usually known as just kind of being like down the middle reporting right they Quite are literally you, the blandest stuff possible yeah exactly and that and like that's fine because they're a wire service so like they're, they're meant they're, to yeah. run in any and any paper across the world that's like right. the purpose of the existence of the associated press this this just feels like um i don't know we are <laughs> this obviously goes beyond baseball but i think in baseball in particular we're really hurtling towards some conflicts of interest somewhere along the line because betting is being inserted into every step of the way right when you turn on and watch a baseball game the lines are running across the bottom obviously manfred would like to there are conversations about integrating it into the 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 baseball watching experience itself right being able to place bets at games now you can read about it in your coverage i don't know man i i it it leaves kind of a kind of a sour taste in my net mouth, and I think it's especially it it created a lot of confusion that it was the Associated Press of all places that did this thing because these sort of agreements you rarely see crop up in media, let alone huge establishment places like the Associated Press. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but uh, betting it's it's here to stay. I don't have any thoughts outside of what you said. It does strike me as kind of strange. Um, I think that 
it makes sense for the Associated Press to choose if they're going to include betting lines in their coverage, which I guess might be necessary from time to time. Uh, if it's relevant to the story or relevant to the gamer or whatever, it would make sense for them to choose one yeah. book to mm-hmm. so that for consistency's sake, so that people know like where they're because the the odds change from book to book. So it makes sense to use the same book every time. I mean, do I have thoughts about them getting money to do that? Uh, no, <laughs> not outside <laughs> of what you said, and then that it creates a weird conflict of interest. Uh, yeah. And just kind of came out of nowhere. But, you know, look, like you said, betting betting in sports is here to stay. And mm-hmm. betting in baseball is just going to be a story that we're going to be talking about a lot. So, yeah, I think that uh, I think that does it for uh, three up, three down in this week's okay. pod, which just what a pod. Ran, ran the gamut, really. Yeah. Of, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go take I'm a tired nap. too. I'm like sweaty. I need a shower. Uh, well, I know you got to run. So let's wrap it up there really quickly before we get out of here. The folks who attended a baseball game wearing our merch this week. Shout out to Brian. Shout out to Riley. Shout out to Gilbert. All three of those folks attended a baseball game wearing our uh, Unionize the Miners and Steel Bases Not Wages shirts respectively. And then I also want to give a quick shout out to um, Matt who tagged us in a tweet. A beautiful photo of him and his partner wearing labor-inspired merch, him wearing our Steel Bases Not Wages shirt, and his partner wearing a Don't Mess With Scabby shirt, and their love. wonderful dog in the photo. I just you absolutely love to see it. What, what an incredible honor for us to be portrayed in such esteemed company. Uh, those are the shouts. Those are the merch shouts for this week. If you want to get your own and tweet at us, a picture of yourself wearing it at a baseball game, at a Memorial Day barbecue cookout, whatever it might be, it's tiny.cc backslash nationalize. Promo code A-Rod for 15% off. Get your merch, bro. Come on. Yeah. If you're listening to this I'm, pod and I'm you haven't t- gotten I'm merch, t- there are some people. Us. I hope you know that. I want a <laughs> shout out. <laughs> uh, sure, I'll give it to you. I, I don't know what to say. Those are the rules. Um, if you're listening to this pod and you haven't gotten merch, what, what the hell? What the hell? No. I have to say it again. What the hell? <laughs> Support minor leaguers getting more fair wages and, and their right to organize. Uh, that's it for this week, Alex. What what else do you want to leave the people with in this marathon pod? Just step on first base, everyone. Sometimes, when in doubt, just step on first. It, it'll usually work out in the end. Who's on that's first? all I want to say. Stepping on it. <laughs> there were two outs. Hey. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!